All right, we are live shooting the shiz at here over in Helsinki, Finland. We got the good old legendary, well, almost legendary. Marty Jones says you're legendary when you're dead, but we got the Rebel Starbuck himself right here. Live in living color, baby. It's, uh, well, legendary is, a, it's like the living legend Larry Zabisco. While you're still living, I'd rather be a legend while I'm still living than a legend after I'm dead. You know, it's kind of like it doesn't uh, do many favors once I'm dead. Well, there you go. But yeah, you are alive and uh, in charge. And uh, we are going to be doing a massive, <laughs> we're going to take a massive shiz at. We are. <laughs> All over pro wrestling today with uh, our reviews of, well, our quick reviews at least of AEW's Double or Nothing that happened about two weeks ago almost. And uh, then we got the big old hell in a cell. and uh, Or like Vince McMahon would say, hell in a cell. Exactly that one. Exactly that one. And I guess in the past few years, generally they have been uh, a, a hell of a smell. Um, but this time around, we got at least two uh, quite quite good matches for me. Um, I don't know about you, but overall, how did you feel about Hell in a Cell? Hell in a Cell this year. I mean, I'll be honest with you, too. I mean, it's like I hate the red cage. I think the red cage looks like a like a toy structure. Um, very, it's also very how could you say distracting because of you know red is a it's it's an a, an alert color right red car red lipstick red dress whatever but red is it's not really emergency but it is an alert color it's it's something that uh, well like you know the bulls in Spain will drive them mad hmm. so. Red is not a good color as a backdrop, right? So with Hell in a Cell, the, the cell now being painted red, not good. But, but, but uh, for the first time in a long time that I can remember in modern wrestling, <clears throat> when I say modern, uh, is as long as that I can remember in the past 10 or so years, uh, I've not recalled a Hell in a Cell match on WWE programming that I could have given a flying fuck about. Mm. This is the first one. And I swear, Cody Rhodes is a magician. Mm. He wasn't special to me uh, for much of his AEW run. But now, coming back to WWE, he's pulling rabbits out of his proverbial fucking hat. Mm. And he's doing a really good job at it. And he's surprising me, and he's winning me over because... Um, of course, you know, it takes two to tango. So, I mean, the things, you know, you're only as good as the guy that you're in the ring with. He's, he's in the ring with one of the best they got right now, which is uh, Seth Rollins, whose character sucks, you know, ass, but who is a wrestler, as a worker, um, he's, he's untouchable. Mm. So, you know, th they found, they struck gold with this pairing. It's a good booking. It's it's a good marriage, quote unquote, in in pro wrestling, um, and they've been able to get three high profile, uh, premium event, formerly pay per view matches out of these guys, and this Hell in a Cell was super intriguing because of the fact that Cody went in legitimately injured, and he had that torn pec, and it was ugly, and like having had muscle sprains before myself, I can sympathize. 
and empathy painkillers. You know, I was I was listening to a, a doctor talk about that, and um, he was basically saying that in the W, it was an ex WWE doctor, and he they said that most likely they weren't going to give him painkillers um, because the painkillers have been known to slow down reaction time. Yeah, 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 right. And then like possibly have um, like a, I guess then that's a bigger danger for an, another injury. Mm. Uh, but there is a certain type of um, kind of painkiller uh, injection that is not a narcotic that will kind of in a way numb the pain i can't remember what it was called morphine it's not morphine <laughs> but it's it's some uh anyway it doesn't matter but uh, aspirin some something dang it but uh at the very least it um he could have uh, he could have taken one of those but uh generally nobody said anything and in all they said that this uh, hundred, it was like a, a total tear. So completely the tendon was torn off the bone. And if it had been a partial tear, that would have been pretty much ridiculous pain. So here you got a lot of pain, no doubt about it. But good thing it was a full tear rather than a partial. At least. Well, let me just say this. I mean, the guy went in there and as a trooper, so rare to see these days that somebody would be such a professional that under great duress being the face of the brand because i mean cody's been since wrestlemania the face of monday night raw mm. he he was the sole guy on the poster for hell in a cell it was his visage yep solo and so they sold the show with him and he's the hottest thing they got right now babyface uh, they had to turn edge babyface now you know get him away from that judgment day group um, they had to bring, or they're going to be bringing John Cena back now this month on the, I think the 20th, um, is it, I forget, was it 20 years of Cena, whatever it was called. But, uh, the whole thing is this, they had to turn edge because they lost their main baby face and they had to bring back Cena because the thing is they, the momentum that they were building around Cody to go into SummerSlam with. They just lost because, you know, he's out for half a year now. Mm. That's what they're talking. They're saying a half year on the shelf, which is they just took like a massive investment that, that was actually paying off for them. They were able to build momentum around Cody as their sole main babyface on Raw, and they lost all of that in one fell swoop. And I can just imagine how desperate that's got to make the company feel all of a sudden. Because mm. that's like, it's kind of like if you think about at the time, weren't they? If you're, If I recall. Yeah, there was there was something going on there for sure. Yeah, so the thing is, it's like they were the top guys at that moment in that company, and all of a sudden, you got to just change gears. With AEW, CM Punk just wins the AEW World Championship for Hangman Page, and inside of a week, he's injured. Mm. Inside, and all your plans go down the tubes, and you got to shift gears again. 
like how demotivating like okay maybe not that's the wrong word but but how unconstructive you know that that's got to feel for the company and for like you've got all these plans you've got entire booking sheets for the next few months if not the next half year and all that goes down the drain mm. absolutely everything you got to restructure absolutely everything well that's exactly right so um but that being said, let's give an overall idea of that double or nothing to get that uh, over with. Um, at least for me, this AEW pay-per-view was way too long, if I'm going to say anything first off the bat. I thought it was unbelievably too long. Four and, and a half hours, right? Yeah, and then if you watch the pre-show, you're almost at five hours. Um. And if you watch the whole pre-show, pre-show, you're basically five and a half hours. So I imagine what the audience was feeling there at the time. But um, there was just a bunch of things that I didn't think needed to be on that show. And uh, I think it could have been way tighter. And I don't know anybody uh, in, in terms of um, even like, you know, we're we're big wrestling watchers we've been wrestling fans since kids uh, you know and i i find that th in that way if i am having a hard time to sit through over four hours of a wrestling pay-per-view after you have let's say if you're actually watching monday night raw uh tuesday nxt wednesday dynamite Thursday, I'm not sure if anything's on right now. It might be NWA, and then you got uh, Friday, you got SmackDown and Rampage, and then you're going into a, a four-hour-plus uh, event on the weekend. I don't know. I mean, I know a lot of wrestling fans that on weeks where there is these big pay-per-views, they try not to watch much wrestling because they get burned out. They get kind of like, how would you say, like, they've seen too many slams that they're desensitized to that actual pay-per-view that mm. should be mind-blowing but yeah it's kind of lackluster but it's oversaturation it's the same thing as too much of anything right i mean it's if if you're constantly like for example adrenaline as a hormone uh it's your flight a fight or flight hormone which obviously if you are in a life-threatening situation your body's going to start producing adrenaline because in that situation, you don't feel pain. It, it blocks out every other, uh, how could you say, negating force. And you're able to tunnel vision and push through because of the fact that you are now on or in hyperdrive, um, which is a good thing for that one singular moment. But the one thing that adrenaline does to you is that if it's, uh, if the tap stays on, so to speak, if you, if it doesn't turn off, uh, it will wear you out. It will absolutely drain you and it will start producing cortisol, you know, in your body, uh, which is the, the stress hormone, right? Cause it, mm -hmm. fi fight or flight is a situation where you're under duress, which means stress. Um, so <clears throat> there you go. Too much of anything is not good even too much sex if you think about it you know as much as all of us you know everybody likes to have sex i would assume uh <laughs> unless you're asexual but um i think that's a vast minority of, of any demographic out there the, the thing is that even too much of that it wears it dulls the blade you've got to be without it for a while for it to actually 
uh, trigger you or like stimulate you in a way that's going to help you get your rocks off. You have to. You, you you can't have it all the time. You have to have it some of the time. Um, the same thing is with as much as you might like uh, pizza. You can have pizza every single day and you will lose the taste for pizza. Yeah. Yeah. Um, that being said, we can go quickly down this card and I'll just uh, list off the match and you give me a short little deal since we the meat of the matter today is going to be more on the WWE side of things but um we started off in the pre-show and we did actually watch this pre-show because we were a bit um intrigued yeah intrigued on this hook housing hook uh, with dan house and, and to see you know is this going to be anything and uh you know could we even think about getting behind it yeah and uh this was hook housing uh, that's the combination of hook and dan housing Against Tony Nice and Smart Mark <laughs> Sterling, the lawyer for some reason, but you know that's uh, the bogus lawyer. The bogus lawyer. He can take a bump. And uh, five, just over five minutes. And I mean, for me, this was exactly what I kind of hoped that it was going to be. It wasn't like mind blowing, but it, you're not going to have a mind blowing match on the pre-show. But it was at least there was nothing bad. I I remember no, no. and it was kind of like it showed the strengths of what was going on here. And I think it got over yeah. uh, hook and this Dan Housen, uh, as a, as an actual team. And they didn't seem like a joke, which I was worried about. Uh -huh. And um, at least uh, when I was watching dynamite uh, earlier today, they showed a graphic of uh, hook and Dan Housen mm. and the crowd popped pretty hard for it. So um, they are over with that crowd, that's for sure. And I don't think this was uh, any kind of disrespectful match whatsoever. So, I mean, that's my point of view. But what, what did you think? I thought it was really entertaining. Mm -hmm. um, I think it's like the Laurel and Hardy kind of like the straight guy and the yeah. and then the, uh, what do you say, the oddball guy, uh -huh. off the wall guy. Um, it, it's an old pairing. Obviously, it's a, it's, a proto, it's like a archetype. Yeah. Um, and it works. Um, that said, I was surprised at how well this Mark Sterling pulled his part off. Mm -hmm. um, yeah, it was the perfect pre-show match, which I can't say all that often AEW has been able to pull off. No, almost never, to be honest. With yeah, you. yeah. This was the perfect pre-show match. Um, these guys didn't overstay their welcome as you just said it was short five minutes and change um all of the stuff that happened in the context of the match served the match itself mm -hmm. um i think that this tony niece is desperately uh, in need of character yeah uh, yeah i think that you know he's just the blandest mfer in the world because of the fact that it's just being a supreme athlete doesn't really tell you anything, mm -hmm. right? As even when he walks to the ring, there's nothing to his gait. There's nothing to his presence. Yeah. He's just a generic muscled athletic guy. Yeah. And, uh, but this Dan Housen thing, I mean, Dan Housen for the first time showed something in AW, uh, hook, as we know, he's got something and, yeah, there. I have no qualms whatsoever with this match. I thought this match was the perfect appetizer for a main course. 
Yeah, it's a good way to put it, actually, because rarely we're under eight minutes. It was the shortest match on the card. Yeah. And it was a tag match. Yeah. And there was no fat involved here. You didn't have to cut any of it out. It was just like straight up lean beef here. But uh, And it also left you like expecting more. <clears throat> this is the one thing that like Tony Khan's booking, especially, and even even New Japan, but, but Tony Khan especially now in this case, should and, and deserves to be criticized, deser- deservedly so, uh, for the fact that He's self-indulgent mm-hmm. for the sake of artistic masturbation. It's becoming more and more apparent these days, that's for sure. But it's always been that way. Mm-hmm. AW's pay-per-views and all their matches, they're exceedingly long for no apparent reason. On this card, we'll get to it, but that uh, House of Black match yeah, against the Death Triangle. Mm-hmm. Why was that match as long as it was? They had gone through all the spots they needed to go through, and then it just became overkill to the point where it's like, you can't get any higher than this. You've already gone as high as you can go, but let's just do more shit. Yeah. And it, it serves no purpose. It's just, it becomes redundant, and then it starts to lose steam. Mm. And I was waiting for that match to be over. And it's not that it wasn't fantastic. It wasn't that it wasn't like, that didn't have you know exciting stuff happening. It was just self-defeatist. Yeah. Yeah, I I agree, and we'll get to that in just a sec with more detail. But the Hardys um, defeat the Young Bucks here. This oh no! Wait, wait a minute, Wardlow. Oh, sorry. Yeah. Yeah. yeah that, why did we miss that? One? Yeah. Wardlow uh, defeats MJF, of course. Um, this match, I think everybody has said about that. This was what it what it should have been, uh, and I agree. Um, but it was very one-sided. Yeah, but I, I guess that's what I expected it to be, just MJF getting pummeled. And, uh, but, you know, but you know what was surprising to me? Hmm. That MJF's offense consisted of little to no cheating or brawling or... Because what's he going to do to Wardlow? Like, you can't out-wrestle him, right? That's the hmm. whole thing. So, like, his main offensive maneuver in this match was a headlock. Yeah. No, no. He hit him with the eye poke. Um, but yeah, then he went straight to the headlock. And I think that was the weird part there. But what else did he get? Like, think of like the aftertaste. Anything. No, he, he didn't get anything. And the thing is that like, there was no progressive where I'm not saying it was a bad match, but it was just, it was very strange mm. that whoever agented this match could have done a much better job as far as uh, MJF being a more effective heel in the body of the context of the body of his work, mm. not his character. His character's fine. Mm-hmm. The body of his work, the in-ring part of the work itself. Yeah. That's what was, it left something to be desired because it left him almost like flat because his offense was a moot point. Cause it didn't like, first of all, it wasn't like Wardlow no sold his offense. It's just that, uh, that 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 uh, MJF's offense was barely even there. Yeah, but I wonder if that's what they, you know, that's what they were going for, where they just wanted it to be a hundred percent squash. Wardlow just takes him out, you know, with no, uh, no real offense on MJF's part, because now I believe they're going to take him off TV for a while, 
and I think he they've even you know done the gimmick where they've taken his uh, merch and uh, profile off their website. Oh, you saw the you saw the promo that he yeah, cut, right? Of course, yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, th- that's obviously a work because of the fact you know it's like I mean, once again, what's kayfabe anymore? Kayfabe nowadays is working reality. It's it's using the internet and using the, the fact that people think that they're smart to the business, and then pulling their their fine you know, hair trigger senses. Well, that's what this was. Um, First of all, at any point, if Tony Khan did not want uh, MJF spouting the things that he spouted, like, for example, Mm. you paying these WWE guys to come in and giving your money away to these guys and, like, where's my, you know, where's my bigger paycheck and where's my bonus and where's my this, that. He could have... at his discretion, Tony Khan, that is, he could have at any point just said to the guys in the truck, cut, just yeah. cut the guy's mic. But when he got to the point where he used the word fucking, yeah. and he said, you fucking Mark, fire me, you fucking Mark. At that point, I realized that they just, they they played hardball with um, the sensitivities of modern people yeah. in the sense where this is going to get them a buzz. And that's when they cut his mic off. But it was obviously a work. Yeah, definitely. I think it was obviously a work when they had him come out and do a promo. Because uh, what else? What else would would it have been for? Yeah. Um, but then again, you know, I like I like that idea. Uh, you can't do that all the time. Of no. course, this kind of pipe bombish. They're calling it a pipe bomb, of course. Yeah. Um, but but I thought it was. Um, <laughs> I thought it was the way to to do it, and uh, I'm sure there's a lot of people who would swear to you that no, 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 he that that was total, hundred percent real, and la la la. And I like that that people would. But before we shift over to the next yeah. match, one more thing I got to say about this Wardlow thing in this business. Tony Khan, Wrestling Observer's Booker of the Year. I have not seen so ineffectual booking of a guy that started to catch fire that you wanted to push and, and you've been meaning to build since, I would say, 1990 and Sting's WCW or NWA world title reign where he beat Flair at the American Bash, Great American Bash, and then held it for like a half a year and lost it back to Flair in January of 91 mm. because of the fact that they had nobody ready for Sting yeah. after Flair. They built no hot heel. They had nobody coming up the pike. Uh, and they coulda, yeah. but they didn't. It was their booking, Ole Anderson's failure as a booker. And, uh, well, Tony Khan did the exact same thing now with mm-hmm. Wardlow. He had him go over <clears throat> the, the top heel in his company, MJF. And... It was a program that everybody was waiting, waiting on, waiting for, and yeah. they wanted to see the blow off. You had the next superstar. You had the next Goldberg, potentially, yeah. on your hands with Wardlow. And what should you do? What does common sense and what does good booking sensibility tell you you should do to a guy that you're planning on pushing this way and that's catching fire? Immediately after a win like that, you have the next thing ready for him pronto, right away, because the thing is that that chapter is finished. Yeah. What do they do? 
they have him come out on dynamite. And he wrestles some jobber schmuck with two power bombs, pins him, and it doesn't achieve anything, mm. anything at all. There's no running afterwards. There's no promo. There's no nothing that sets him up for the next thing. Having Mark Sterling saying that, oh, you're going to get a lawsuit now for beating up these uh, these security personnel. Yeah. Like, that's not that's not an angle. That's 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 a B level, C level, uh, like like talent that you're putting this top talent against, and it doesn't do him any favors. They should have had somebody hot that they could have immediately just changed gears and changed directions and said, "Okay, now that MJF's out of the picture, our this our next new hot star right here, Wardlow, gets an, a, another massive heel mm. to go up against," and they didn't. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, I will give you an idea on that, uh, what happened there. Yeah, sure. Just a, an idea, not saying that this is even a good idea, but because um, this Dynamite, they had him challenge uh, Scorpio Sky for the the TNT title because he says he doesn't want, he didn't put himself in the battle royal to, because now Punk is injured and they're doing Yeah, yeah, I heard that one. thing and la la la. So, um Punk had his surgery, uh, apparently was successful and everything was great. What do you think happened? Uh, I don't know, but it happened in the t- in this uh, six-man match. You know where these. I think it happened? Yeah. When he jumped off the top rope and immediately right in the beginning, the first tag in, and he lost his footing when he came down. I, yeah. th- I think he broke his toe or something like a bone in his foot. Yeah. Something happened at least that it needed surgery and... and- because when I saw him in that uh, six-man or trios, whatever they want to call it. What a terrible match. Yeah, he was w- way off with so many things. And um, uh, so I was, you know, interesting to, to hear that he's injured to that fact. But anyway, um, so Wardlow wants the TNT title, but also Scorpio Sky is injured. His knee is screwed up at the moment and he can't compete. So I have a feeling that they were pushed. They were, the whole idea was to throw Wardlow right into the TNT title situation. But since Scorpio Sky is not able to compete, then they had to kind of like do a stall angle. Mm. Not that I think that this because now he's he's in a match next week with or is it on Rampage? I think it's on Dynamite next week uh, against. Uh, it's an elimination match where it's Wardlow versus 20 security guards. Yeah, but once again, they're just killing time now. Yeah, it's exactly killing time. Yeah. So whether or not that's a good thing, I guess people, do they want to see that? I don't know. It's going to be a whole bunch of wrestling trainees. Do they want to see Scorpio Sky against this guy? Yeah, well, that's the thing. Because you said, uh, and I agree, that he needed to go up against a hot heel. And Scorpio's not hot. Scorpio's not a hot heel. Uh, he's a heel uh, in terms of technical standpoint, uh, but I don't... He's uh, not an interesting heel. He's not interesting, at no. least at the moment. Dan Lambert, I guess, is more interesting Even him. But, even uh, him, he's lost major he steam. He's lost steam, and I think it had, has a lot to do with this match later on in the night yeah. uh, that they, in my opinion, wasted some time on. But Let's get to the Hardys uh, and the Young Bucks. Oh, boy. Now, the Hardys took this one. There seems to have been, you reported this to me, that Jeff Hardy apparently has suffered a concussion somewhere pretty early in the match. And uh, I had heard that he was on some autopilot, and everybody was basically telling him where to go because he was just totally out of it. 
and uh, supposedly can't even remember how the match went. So um, it's going to catch up with you. Yeah. Well, that being said, you know, that uh, style. Yeah. Well, totally. And now they're in a ladder match, three way ladder match, three team yeah, next week. Match, yeah, yeah. Yeah. That's right. With Jungle Boy or the Jurassic Express and the, um, the Young Bucks. Interesting, like that they're just going gangbusters. I mean, Matt Hardy got hit, got cranked that absolutely sickening situation in that uh semi yeah whatever that match was was stipulation wise like a false count anywhere or something that was just a brutal a brutal situation that happened there to to matt hardy and now jeff hardy is getting a concussion pretty easily easily as in like i didn't see anything super insane that would you know you would totally think had that concussion happen but then again it is pro wrestling and uh, so here we go, you know, into a ladder match, which is, again, getting more more dangerous. And uh, you know there's going to be some dangerous stunts. And you know the one dangerous stunt, you know, Jeff Hardy wants to do, I'm sure. So, uh, you know, it is kind of a little bit worrying that they're just going right back into it. What about this match, though? How would you like this Hardy's match against the Young Bucks? I thought... I mean, it explains a lot that if Jeff Hardy was concussed and completely out of it. And if he was, he did a hell of a job. That's what I was going to say, is that and there was some stuff that I think that a lot of people these days, they, they call uh, that they're botches, you know, and that sometimes is correct. Or, you know, they show Jeff Hardy, uh, he was trying to set himself up on the top rope to do his whisper in the wind, little corkscrew moonsaulty thing. And he was having a hard time. He was slipping there. His boot was even undone and everything like that. And he was. I think his boot was undone because he was, he was buying time. Po- quite possibly. Mm-hmm. But I don't mind this, you know, that you're struggling. Uh, and I don't call those kind of botches. I mean, it's, of course, when the other guy's watching you stand there. And, if, you know, when he's, when the other person's just waiting for you, then yeah. it's maybe not so nice. But, mm-hmm. you know, if you're struggling to do something that is you know, supposed to be uh, incredible like this, whatever corks through moonsault thing. <laughs> I don't mind that kind of thing. Um, but it, you know, if the other guy, like I said, if, if you're telegraphing the whole thing, if the other guy's not selling and whatnot, but either way, I think he did a hell of a job. I didn't mind this match. I thought it was an obvious show to me that the Hardys are not what they used to be, which I understand. And uh, But they're underlying or underlining the fact yeah yeah and the thing is like okay put it this way if you're going to put the hardys out there now at this point you know at this stage of their careers there's no way that you can't underline that fact because if you put them against a team that's let's say like the butcher and the blade which is like a terrible example but i mean the thing is that it's it's a relevant example because you'd have to wrestle a much more simplistic style yeah it's even worse you know what i mean yeah the glaring deficiencies or how could you say like the 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 fact that father time does no jobs yeah um it 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 becomes so apparent uh when you are in a in a in a capacity where you have to wrestle down to someone else's how could you say level or like you have to compensate for their weaknesses yeah um 
And that actually happened with the, with the Hardys and the, the Butcher and the Blade because they, they, it was the second, well, I think it was their second weekend as a tag team. Something like that. Yeah, and it was the shits. It was the absolute drizzling shits. Um, but this match was good. I actually liked it. It was overdrawn. It was a bit too long. Uh, the Jeff, the, the schmoz with him kind of like in the middle undoing his boot and being out of it and stuff, it, it threw me off because I didn't realize at the moment after you know, only afterwards when I read that he was heard, heard actually heard uh, Cornette talk about it. But, uh, yeah, I mean, I was, I actually enjoyed this match. Yeah. And, yeah. and and I thought that it was really well done. The near falls were great. I The the, the, the right team won because still as an O'Day or as a tribute or as a nod, yeah, the Hardys should have gone over uh, because the Young Bucks, they can always get their heat back. Yeah. But for the Hardys to, you know, they're in the twilight of their careers now. And uh, they they should be able to go out on a high note, you know, like whereas, you know, they were, you know, they were honored towards their, you know, the end that they were able to work with guys that were still, you know, on a, on a higher level or I could just say like they're on a, on a top level, top, mm-hmm. top echelon tag team. And I think in that way, this, this achieved that. And I think the Young Bucks did as good of a job with the Hardys as they could have done. And I'm not a Young Bucks fan. No, I and I agree with you. Like uh, in terms of that match, like it was enjoyable. Yeah. Um, I know they've had uh, monster matches. Let's say in Ring of Honor when they clashed. Um, I think they had a ladder war or something in Ring of Honor, and uh, it was, from what I remember, like pretty damn incredible. Um, but that was a few years ago, and. We like we said, these guys are even the young bucks. You know, they are older and more banged up. Um, still very athletic, still doing their kind of style match. They had a uh, a total spot monkey fest. Although that's what the people wanted to see: young bucks versus Lucha Brothers on Rampage the other day. And uh, athletically, it was just out of this world. Um. And, you know, uh, I I was hearing a few people talk. I think it was Bully Ray even said something that, you know, there's always one spot on the card for a spot fest or at least something that is like a more uh, quicker paced uh, athletic match. But it, it definitely should be the one spot. Um, and, well, anyway... Moving on. Yeah, this match, next match, should not have been on the show. No. Jade Cargill uh, versus Anna Jay for the TBS uh, championship. Why? Why was this match even booked? Uh, yeah, you got me. Just to put this, I mean, Jade Cargill looks like a star. Yeah. She's getting way better. I'll, I'll tell you that. That I thought that the opening bit of this match was uh, the best Jade Cargill I have seen mm. for about two minutes mm-hmm. and then then all of a sudden it it went so downhill all anna of all jay, of all of a sudden jade cargill showed up well all of a sudden i think it was anna jay yeah and, and anna jay yeah, oh, and she she looked i think that anna jay got caught mm. uh with something stiff yeah and it and it flustered her yeah threw her off and she with the f- fight or flight instinct, I think she just blanked. Yeah. She wanted to leave or, or mm-hmm. like she was just, she got scared or panicked. Yeah. yeah, panicked. And she was just out of it. And it, the match was absolute horrendous crap. And um, 
should have been three minutes. Yeah. If they were going to put this on the show, <laughs> it was seven and a half. I mean, um, just bad. But you know, the and the other reason why this was on, this was on the show mm. was the debut. Um, what's her name? Athena. Oh, uh, Ember, Ember Moon. Ember Moon, yeah. yeah. Ember Moon, and then also, what's his name from NXT? Oh, Stokely Hathaway, that uh, formerly Malcolm Bibbins on yes. it. Yeah, yeah. Hathaway, yeah. So they needed to introduce that situation. Yeah, so they got rid of uh, Mark Sterling as the manager now of Jade Cargill, and they transitioned on this pay-per-view to uh, Stokely Hathaway as as her new manager. Yeah. The, the, the thing with, uh, did you see Athena's debut match i didn't actually watch it no i mean i saw what did i see the finish of it what a horrible debut Hmm. here's the thing yeah kira hogan yeah Uh here's the thing if you're going to debut somebody you're going to want to put them over on their first night because they you're you're projecting them to be a star and they teased as soon as she came in on this pay-per-view at the end of this match uh, that she was going to be challenging Jade Cargill. Yeah. Well, there's your story. Now you've got to establish and put her over. Yeah. And man, oh man, did they fail in spades. Hmm. So they put Jade Cargill, no, this uh, Kira Hogan against <clears throat> Athena, formerly Ember Moon. And in the first minute, minute and a half, they've got Ember Moon basically looking ineffectual hmm. against Kiera Hogan. Throughout the match, she can't get any steam. She can't get any momentum. She can't get on a roll against uh, Kiera Hogan. And are they pushing Kiera Hogan to the point where she's going to be a, a main player? No, she's a stooge. Yeah, at least at the moment. At the, at the moment, she's a stooge. And you're supposed to, you've given people the indication, understanding that Ember Moon now, or Athena, whatever, is, is going to be the next challenger for, for Jade Cargill, and it no. doesn't serve a purpose. This purpose, or the, the, the match itself, deflates the purpose mm. because it was so poorly executed. Once again, lack of proper agenting. Huh. Horrendous. Go, go back and watch it. Yeah. Horrendous. So, anyway, with that said, AEW's women's division, I'm sorry to say it sucks moment it really really sucks i mean almost from top to bottom mm-hmm. there's very little good yeah well then uh we get next into the house of black which uh, consists of malachi black uh brody king and somebody who's definitely got to change his name if he's in this group buddy matthews because you can't have you know malachi black brody king and then buddy matthews it's a dorky name dorky if you just called him matthews that's that's way better already. Yeah, but even that's fucking horrible. It's, yeah, but I mean, like, buddy? I don't know. I don't know. Matthews sounds like a math teacher. Yeah, it does, but I'm just saying it's way better than buddy Matthews. But um, either way, uh, we got uh, Death Triangle here, Pack Pentagon, or Penta Oscuro, and Ray Phoenix with Alex Abrahantes, who didn't have the... Uh, the corpse makeup, <laughs> uh, the vampire. <laughs> yeah, he didn't have his robe on this time for some. But he has glove, his Michael Jackson impersonation. But um, this was a 
a crazy entertaining spot fest that did go a little bit too long and the the a little bit yeah what, what, what was the overall 15 minutes and 35 you know here's the they thought it was that short yeah, that's the whole thing this match felt like 25 yeah and i think you have a great point which i don't understand with these guys of such um experience level uh, they threw everything they had at this match. And I remember... 15 kilos of shit in a five-pound bag. Yeah. And I, I remember, you know, when when I would wrestle with my brothers in the basement or something, and uh, every single match we would do, every move we knew, because that's how we thought the only way it would be exciting, you know? And, and we would tape it with the VHS uh, camera or whatever. Of course, it was all complete garbage. But uh, this was like that, that these guys did every move that they knew as if they're never going to fight again. These guys are never going to have a match together again. And it doesn't make any sense. Like, why wouldn't they? Why wouldn't you keep this going? Uh, there's a lot of chemistry there, mm. you know. So why not? This is a two trios, six man. Like, it's a it's a three on three situation there are two teams with three guys why not why wouldn't you extend this or at least do it another time but if you just did everything you had and you did it they did it as fast as they possibly could yeah they're they're on speed dial yeah so then to me it's like well i've seen this match uh and i don't know what the hell could they ever do that would show me anything new now that's that's my problem with it. Well, the thing is that, like, once again, there's nobody at the wheel. Mm. I mean, there's nobody saying what's acceptable or what's not. There's nobody's. There's nobody putting the brakes on. There's obviously, I don't know what their booking strategy is because if I were them, I'd end this program now. Yeah, there's nothing more to do. There's no, you can't do any more. You can't go any higher. Than what you've already done. Mm-hmm. It's time to transition. Next. Whatever's next. Yep. And that being said, uh, let's go a little bit quicker through these mm-hmm. matches because we want to get into the hell in the cell. Yeah, yeah, but yeah. We got Adam Cole and Samoa Joe. I thought this was okay, but n- not uh, hardly enough to be an Owen Hart tournament final match. Well, the thing is, Samoa Joe should have just creamed Adam Cole. I mean, mm. just the, the size thing. The, yeah, so this was, match was okay. It, it, like, as a match, it was okay. Technically, what happened inside the ropes, except for the finish. Yeah. At the end, those super kicks or whatever they were supposed to be, the side thrust kicks to Joe's shoulder, looked absolutely ineffectual. Mm-hmm. And then that the the final, uh, whatever that knee boom. strike, yeah, the boom strike, the knee strike to the to the back of the head. First of all, if you're nailing the guy's shoulder, you're supposed to like use something to to negate the arm to get a submission win. Yeah, I would think so. That's what you're yeah. setting up. Uh, so it makes no sense for him to just kick the shoulder twice or three times or whatever, and, and then, then hit him in the back of the head. And then, yeah, exactly. So mm-hmm. once again, nobody's at the wheel. I'm no, nobody's nobody's leading the charge here. Mm. Why these guys? I mean, they have the experience. Why are they doing the self-indulgent bullshit? Mm. Yeah, I agree. I thought this match should have been better in that way, but um, of course, the finish. Uh, then we had the women's uh, Owen Hart final, um, which is Britt Baker and Ruby Soho, and this was like a 
an all right women's match. Um, but again, the the biggest problem I had with this uh, Owen Hart uh, tournament final between the men and the woman women was that the they kind of telegraphed who was winning this right away, not just because they were um, a couple. Uh, the tights. But yeah, the two heels were uh, dressed in homage to Owen Hart and the two baby faces just had their own gear. And uh, to me, it was, it was just obvious. Okay, of course. Yeah, they're going to, they got a photo opportunity here. They're yeah. wearing the pink and black. Yeah, yeah. You know, the belts are pink and black. We find mm-hmm. out later. Mm-hmm. I did like the Martha Hart segment where they gave those belts out and uh, it was a bit weird that you had two heels. Um, not like, you know, on heart was never a heel, but, uh, but, and it was, a, but it was a very respectful moment. And I thought that was very good and well done by Martha Hart there. And I think the Owen Hart foundation tournament, uh, whatever celebration was good, but it also felt a little bit weird. Maybe it was like an intermission moment or something on the show, but Either way, then we went into a, a match which I think shouldn't have been on the show either, which was this American top team versus uh, Frankie Kazarian, Sammy Guevara, and Ty Conti. I think this should have been on Rampage or something like that because uh, Paige Van Zant, as good as she looks, she had a big-time problem with her gear or something in this match. She constantly was adjusting it. Um, her top. Her top. Mm. And... Uh, then she also is not ready, I think, to wrestle on TV. She thinks I think she needs a hell of a lot more uh, coaching and experience in the ring. Here's the thing. Yeah. If you put two girls that are green. Yeah, well. Like, usually there's always got to be a leader and, and a follower, mm-hmm. right? You know, somebody's got to lead, somebody's got to follow. Uh, if you look at, like, Shawn Michaels and Razor Ramon from WrestleMania 10, mm-hmm. ladder match. It's obvious that Sean is leading, Razor's following. Yeah. Yeah. So all the great matches where usually if you have like two leaders, sometimes it just, it doesn't work out. I remember that one was a Survivor Series, Mr. Perfect and Shawn Michaels. Yeah. I think it was 93 or something. And uh, it was like, it should have been a much better match. You're anticipating even as, as a younger, you know, fan. I was just like getting into the wrestling business then myself. And I, I, I remember I was at the sports bar in Calgary. Hmm. And I, we're watching it with the, with the guys, and I was thinking to myself, why isn't this match better? Hmm. You got two leaders in the ring, yeah. and that's the whole thing. You, you know, both guys want to do their shit, or they want they have their own vision of what they want to achieve, and because they called it on the fly back then, uh, you're running into trouble. Yeah, right? it's it, it could be so much better, but it's not. Hmm. Well, the thing is, here you got two followers. Nobody's leading. Yeah, that was pretty apparent. And her movement was very awkward and uncomfortable. Uh, but either way, uh, this match, I just, uh, it was just nothing that I could care about. And, uh, mm. you know, Frankie Kazarian, I think he's amazing. He's an amazing wrestler. He's an amazing pro wrestler. And But uh, he's a black hole of charisma. He is. I mean, he showed some of it here, showed some charisma. Yeah, but, but, but it's he, not the kind of charisma that translates onto the level of what you need uh, a main event superstar to be. And, and the mm. thing is that he's going to be one of these guys that's on TV every once in a while. He's on yeah. TV and then he's off for long periods of time. Then he comes back and, oh, remember, remember Frankie Kazarian? Here he is again. Yeah, exactly. 
And uh, yeah, I just I thought that this match didn't do anything for anybody, and it just I even forgot that it it wouldn't even existed until all of a sudden they introduced the the players there. So uh, I was not I, I didn't see as uh, and it even had a big stipulation that if Kazarian and Guevara mm. uh, lose, they can't challenge for the TNT Championship mm. as long as Scorpio Sky is the champion. I didn't even know that was a stipulation. Maybe I wasn't paying attention, but there wasn't mm. enough advertising of what this match was about, nor that this match was even on there. But the super kick to Ty Conti. Oh, that was great. That, that was, was a great spot. The timed absolutely perfect. Yeah, uh, yeah, yeah. If I guess all that was the whole match. Twelve minutes and thirty seconds for that spot. Uh, then we got into another match that I'm not even sure why it was on the card. I think it could have been on a dynamite or a, a rampage just to save some time because it didn't really serve much purpose. It was no. a grudge match. Kyle O'Reilly defeating Darby Allen. I get it now that they were kind of trying to give Kyle O'Reilly some steam um, to put him up there um, <coughs> because he, ha- well, I know it wasn't planned that the, that he would win this battle Royal and go up against John Moxley in the dynamite last night, which that match, uh, John Moxley and Kyle O'Reilly probably the first three quarters of it mm. was I I was kind of not feeling it. Yeah. But the last quarter was like awesome. Mm. Um, Kyle O'Reilly has this weird thing where he's sometimes mm. laying everything in great. Yeah. And, but for some reason, most of the time he does this, these mounting like dropping elbows yeah. that look to me, that look like he's, just tapping the person completely. Yeah, there's yeah. nothing behind him. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And uh, there's a lot of his strikes that I find are like that. And then sometimes maybe it's the opponent that he's against that mm-hmm. he just lays that shit in. Yeah. But um, either way, I I mean, this wasn't a bad match at all. I thought it was a good match, but I didn't understand why it's here on this pay-per-view other mm-hmm. than Darby Allen getting his revenge for Sting. But he didn't get the revenge. This is a a match that had no business being on a pay-per-view because the thing is they just wanted to get Darby. It wasn't even about Kyle O'Reilly. So getting Darby on the show because they had nothing for Darby. Yeah, but they sold out the arena anyway. That's the whole thing. It was was inconsequential. Yeah. They did, their plan was not to go with uh, Kyle O'Reilly anyway because the thing is that they, they weren't planning on CM Punk getting hurt. Yeah, that's true. So the whole thing is that that, this is like the fact that this played into the story now is just fortunate. Yeah. I mean, I do think that they were putting Kyle O'Reilly in a position where he would be competitive. Yeah. Uh, they needed to give him some wins. And a- after having him job once he came in first. Very true. Which happens to everybody. Yeah. Well, you know, I guess it's this right of passage. <laughs> yeah. But uh, then we got a match that. Um, had a lot of potential, and I don't think it lived up to it 100%, but uh, Thunder Rosa versus Serena Deeb. There was some really great wrestling in this match, but for some reason, the the passion or something wasn't there. The timing me. wasn't there. Mm-hmm. Man, these girls were off. I was expecting something really special because I remember about a year and a half, two years ago on NWA television and when they had the covid cold arena match somewhere in i think it was in in california uh but anyway they had serena against uh, thunder rosa where the title changed hands and mm-hmm. that's where serena took the title off of thunder rosa um that was a fantastic match 
it, it's still on YouTube. You can find it. Great match. This, I have been, I'm sorry, but something has happened to Thunder Rosa. And she has been underwhelming, incredibly underwhelming for the longest time now. And I really liked her in the beginning. Like, not so much in the beginning of AEW, in the beginning of the, when she was in the NWA. When she came to, to AEW, she lost something. Mm. And it didn't translate, did not carry over with her. And as much as I was giving her the chance and waiting for that something to show up, it never did. Now it becomes more and more apparent time after time after time, whether she's on a promo or whether she's on or she's in a match. She is consistently under delivering. Yeah. And it's you can't cover that up with a gimmick. And her gimmick is good. I like the Thunder Rosa look. I like the the presentation. I think that like she could be so much more, but for some reason she isn't. And it's not carrying over, it's not translating, and she's falling flat. And if I were Tony Khan, I don't know who I'd put that title on now, but I'd be looking to get that title off of Thunder Rosa fairly soon because there's nothing there at the moment that is carrying uh, championship material status. Mm. So for me, this match was a not a dud but it was um very uninspiring they it's not for a lack of effort they tried but they were miscuing they were not sharp it was sloppy and it kept on falling apart in many places uh they it was touch and go and i'm actually i'm gonna send rip rogers a message mm. i i've been i was thinking last week i'm gonna do it and then i just it slipped my mind I was going to talk to Rip and I was going to ask him, Rip, because he trains Serena Deep. Yeah. Rip, why? Why do you think, as a coach, you know, watch this match, why is Thunder Rosa against your, one of your top students, why is it not delivering? Yeah. Because I think he can even see, like, the holes in this work. Mm. But I'd like to hear it from him. Yeah. Because, like, for me, once again, I don't know what I would do, like, if... If if I'm Tony Khan, I'm looking at Thunder Rosa. I'm reevaluating uh, whether or not I want her as the face of my women's division. Yeah. Well, she did. Have, she had a total stinker on um, Dynamite last night. Well, you ain't kidding. If it, was, if it was all her fault, but mm -mm, uh, mm -mm. Marina Shafir is not ready for that position. No, no. And I'm not hardly sure why they're putting her there. But uh, either way, I mean, in all honesty, I thought that this match. I had some good wrestling in it, but there, to me, there was some something lacking, and I, the timing is a big one, I'm sure. But there was some kind of like passion that wasn't there, um, as well. Uh, there was no fire. There was, you know, none of this kind of fighting spirit thing going on, and and that I think was, uh, it felt as though it should have had a lot of anger between the two of them, and it and it just didn't translate for me. Uh, but this match, I thought, was completely the drizzling shits mm. was the next match anarchy in the arena although i have heard multiple people most of them were there to see it live mm. mul multiple people say that this was the one of the best matches they have seen in a long time i have no idea i can't believe that they watched the same match i did jericho appreciation society uh against the blackpool combat club uh this was 
terrible. I, I don't even know how to, how to go about it, but uh, I don't know what did you think of it. But to me, there was there was a few moments in this moments, that, yeah, yeah, that I don't I don't even know. I mean, the the thing is, there was so many holes where to start. I mean, the moment that uh, Jericho and Moxley got on a scooter and it didn't work, and they were both there. <laughs> Yeah, you know, trying to start it, you know, Moxley having a, a some kind of headlock or choke on Jericho while he's there trying to operate. The, I was just like, "Whoa, what are we doing here?" And then there was no reason, in my opinion, that Moxley took the top rope off. Yeah, he didn't have anything to do with it afterwards. He yeah, yeah, swinging it around mm -hmm. uh, didn't work for me. And then, of course, it just led into this uh, choke out technical submission with the rope. Uh, but then. This pouring gasoline, I, I was just like, I don't know why people think that's awesome. Uh, first, first of all, I mean, the people in the audience, the people in the arena should have smelled gasoline. Yeah, well, that, that gasoline apparently smelled a lot like water. Uh, that's what I have heard. Mm -hmm. the front row. So that's dumb. And already, like, why would you do it if you're, you know, if you're just going to do it half-assed and not mm. that you should pour gasoline on the guy i think you shouldn't have done it anyway because it, to me when he gets into this like uh attempted murder yeah i can't i can't do it um i think the the whole thing there was the visual of eddie kingston coming down the ramp looking like a zombie 100 percent that a t-shirt or whatever yeah yeah that opportunity. yeah exactly that's that's something for like their video archives or whatever mm. so with that in mind is that the moment that they wanted to capture but this match first of all it was all over the place hard to follow i guess you know anarchy in the arena is that <laughs> what they were like going for and that, that yeah know, they they were like we did it because the cameras couldn't pick up what they were doing well the thing is that like now I can understand. Back in the day, the NWA, the NWA used to do, have uh, what they called bunkhouse matches, yeah, right. And uh, then they used to have these different types of um, Texas Death matches and whatnot. Uh, usually, these types of matches uh, they're fairly, I wouldn't say short, but they're very punctual and effective, right? Because for the sake of the brutality involved you won't be able to last long under any reasonable circumstances. True. Now, this match here overstayed its welcome to a magnanimous degree because of the fact that they were doing so much of the same shit over and over and over again. Because how many times can you punch a guy? <laughs> Jake the Snake Roberts, who I guess has been having some breathing problems now, uh... I guess he's on a, some kind of a face mask, respirator kind of deal, whatever oxygen mask that he has to use from time to time. So unfortunately, Jake is maybe not doing so well right now. Um, but he said something really good on this one shoot interview many years back. He said that my comeback consisted of two lefts and a right cross. Mm. Now, if... If I can't put you down with three punches, my punch is no good. Mm. Yeah. He said, Lex Luger hits a guy with a clothesline five times. The guy gets up each time. <laughs> Who's tougher, Lex Luger or the guy that's getting clotheslined? Well, there you go. Is point. Neither one of them. They're both, they're both full of shit. 
and here's the thing so <clears throat> in wrestling uh the punch should be used sparingly because of the fact that it's a punch mm. that's why in britain for the longest time they didn't have they didn't allow uh pro wrestlers to punch that's why the european uppercut uh came into play so the whole thing here is this if you're gonna punch make your punches count yeah right but if you have 20 how long was this match 22 22 20 almost 23 minutes you have a 23 minute match for all intents and purposes that is 95 plus percent punch mm. now how many punches can somebody take inside of 23 minutes and still remain standing you should ask uh was it angelo parker or matt menard whoever mm. was uh brian danielson going after because every time they cut to that they were just it was just brian danielson punching the guy in the seat this is the thing if you look at any mma match any ufc match any kickboxing match whatever uh if a guy takes unrestricted shots mm. for that amount of time he should be in a hospital ward afterwards yeah. yeah yeah face completely mangled yeah so that's where this match doesn't work mm -hmm. at least in a war games you can do wrestling moves and you can throw a guy into the cage and use the you know different types of offense it's not just punch 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 in this match on the outside what can you do yeah you can't do all the moves there's no spring off the walls or anything like that like ropes would give you and you can't take full out bumps because it's just a hard hard floor or walls so in this way you're thinking about what what was the purpose of this match other than to give people a a brawl a wild brawl but for the sake of what this was supposed to be why was it this long because it didn't achieve anything after you've seen the one punch sequence where the guy gets bloodied gets battered and then is the next thing that you see is maybe somebody getting thrown into a wall or, or somebody getting bumped on a floor what more can you do after that point yeah it's a good point i guess they you can do the mustard spot and cover the guy with mustard what did that achieve at the end of the day? That was a mid-match spot that, yeah. that meant nothing. It meant nothing. I don't know why that's going to harm you. And then you got, uh, you know, some tables, of course. But, yeah. I uh, I don't get it. I don't get it either. But uh, then we got the Jurassic Ex Express def defending their titles against, uh, what was it called? Swerve in Our Glory. Uh, Keith Lee and Swerve Strickland. Uh -huh. Team Taz, Powerhouse Hobbs, and Ricky Starks. I kind of missed this match. You missed it. I thought there was uh, some really... I think the, the standout team here was this uh, Keith Lee and Swerve Strickland. They work together really well. Uh -huh. They have some excellent stuff that they're doing as a tag team. Oh, yeah. Um, they had a, this one spot uh, that was, I thought, great, where guys are on the outside and Keith Lee... Hold, he's standing on the outs on the apron. He grabs hand to hand with Swerve. Swerve jumps up to the top rope, and then he kind of uh, springboards off of Keith Keith Lee's chest into a moonsault. Yeah, I saw that. Somewhat, yeah, uh, yeah, yeah. Onto. I thought that was great. Mm. Never, I haven't seen that. I thought that works. That like shows your big dude 
with the little agile guy and i mm. thought that that was a really nice uh i think that was really cool i, yeah. I hadn't seen that and i thought it like played really well together I, I think that this is a very oddly good tag team and and now even though i was at first thinking they're wasting these guys i would kind of mm. want to see where do they go with this but um i mean other than that this match was also too long and um i'm not sure why jurassic express still is holding on to these titles you know like uh i don't think that they are as good even as powerhouse hobbs and ricky starks um but then again uh, you know in a lot of ways you look at this these this three-way tag match and each match had each team had a uh huge guy yeah. and a little agile guy no, that was the makeup that was it yeah and uh there was there was some good stuff here, but this was largely should have been way shorter. And um, hey, question, yeah, you think this coming week, this next week on uh, Dynamite, you think that ladder match, the tag straps, going to change hands? Well, I kind of hope so, but uh, then again, I'm not sure because they're they're doing something with Christian Cage keeps uh, putting Jurassic Express kind of. Um, into these precarious situations without asking them uh-huh. and i i guess it's like the they're going towards some kind of breakup and turn for christian cage at some point but i'm wondering if this is the the tipping point do they lose the straps here and it's kind of his fault um because they he, you know kind of he put them in this situation but then again i don't know yeah i i don't think that they are it's even funny on commentary Mm. You know, you got um, FTR in the ring and JR says, you know, he believes that FTR is one of the best tag teams in the world. And he knows that um, Excalibur is kind of more on the Young Bucks side, the thinking mm. Young Bucks is the best tag team in the world. And Exc- Excalibur had to be like, uh, maybe we should even mention the Jurassic Express, our tag team champions. <laughs> you know, like JR doesn't even, uh, you know, he doesn't see the, the tag team champions of the world as the best tag team because they are not, unfortunately. No, they're not, no. Uh, but it's yeah. the same thing. Like, usually, if you're thinking about your champion, right? Your your champions or champion should be the most over guy in the company at the at that moment because they're the one drawing the money. They're, mm-hmm. they're the last thing you're going to see on the card. They're the main event that you sell the show with. Yep. Was Hangman Page ever that guy? No, and Jurassic Express yeah, is not exactly, and uh, that's that's my whole point. Mm. So, and it, neither is Scorpio Sky for that, and, and neither is Scorpio Sky. Yeah, all of their. I mean, you can mm. argue that Jade Cargill is a draw in terms of the way she looks. You can argue that Thunder Rosa is maybe over yeah. the most over woman. Yeah, at the moment, but for these men's titles. It's at least up until now, yeah. CM Punk. Yeah, he's probably one of their top stars. Yeah, uh, names. So yeah, you put the title on him, which which was the next match here. Yeah, and I thought this was. Uh, I remember it at least being quite a good match. Twenty five minutes. It was uh, the only match that was a straight out like, as a match, wrestling match. Yeah, felt like a fight. Very true. Yeah, they were laying that. They were laying the leather in and. Uh, I didn't necessarily like how they tried to dramatize the finish there where Hangman goes and gets the belt and he's all, oh my God, should I do it? Should I do it? That late in the match. Yeah. 
why are you conflicted? Think about it. Yeah, yeah. Like, if you go get the belt, Cornette had a really good point about this, but mm. you either do it or you don't. Yeah. But if you're not going to do it, then you don't go touch the belt. Exactly. You know, I, I, there's the, sometimes, you know, you get a guy, you know, he, he, all of a sudden he's getting laid out with something and all of, he gets that chair finally and he gets to get his payback, but he's too much of a good guy that he just, he, you know, he's angry and then, you know, calmer heads prevail and he tosses the chair to the side and, and, and just goes with wrestling. You know, there's that kind of thing, but he went, got the belt because the ref was down so I, I didn't really get it 100% why would he do that. And then he took forever to decide. That was my that, That's my only kind of problem in this match. Otherwise, I thought it was definitely, for me, the best match on the card. Oh, it was, yeah. Um, By and far. And uh, I think it was the right choice for CM Punk to be the champion. And uh, But for him to get injured so quickly, for them to go that interim thing so quickly... It's. Oof. I'll tell you one funny thing uh, that I heard, um, just like before this dynamite, um, they said they're not going to do a tournament because they already they just got finished with the tournament with the Owen Hart finals, so they're going to do a battle royal instead, and they don't want to do another tournament for the AW fans. Yeah. But then they just introduced. A new title. A new title. Yeah. The uh, all, all Atlantic, or yeah, the, that's the, the one. Cross Atlantic or whatever. All Atlantic, yeah. Yeah, all Atlantic title, which I don't. I mean, I'll agree with Dave Meltzer on this one. I don't understand what the hell that's all, all about. And you know what they're doing? They're doing a tournament, which started right away. Well, here's the, the belt yeah, and yeah. The next ma- match was the tournament. Yeah, match. this is the whole thing. Like, first of all, they got that Forbidden Door pay per view. This yeah. is this is all for that pay per view rushed yeah but but this this title yeah yeah this title is for it because that one match bracket is the japanese bracket mm-hmm. so in the end it's going to be one of the japanese guys against one of the american guys it was a four-way final oh, okay so yeah, yeah right so right they're here. doing like an eight man okay uh like a they're and they're advertising it they're all representing their country oh, okay yeah yeah, yeah. You know, and i don't mind that but this idea of like we're not going to do a tournament because we just did one and then they do a tournament anyway for something else yeah, yeah. or a belt that they don't really need and then the other weird thing about it this all atlantic belt mm. uh representing their 136 or whatever countries that they're syndicated yeah uh, mm. and um on it they have flags whatever it is canadian american british japanese uh, japanese chinese and uh, something else uh, um but the funny thing is that uh, japan and china are not atlantic countries yeah pacific. pacific so this mm. <laughs> i don't know it just uh, to me it almost feels like they didn't think about this no hard they just no. got the belt made yeah and then it's like why are you calling it atlantic and then the other thing that's no. weird to me is that if it's if it's supposed to represent all the countries that they are syndicated in, yeah, isn't that kind of just like a world belt? Exactly. And if it is just the Atlantic countries, mm. then you've totally botched by calling putting China and ja- Japan on there. Well, and you, if, if Australia's on there, I don't know, but you know, it's well, they're getting too cute for their own good. It's just that to me, I was kind of thinking this is stupid, but. Uh, well, they got the Owen Hart uh, Memorial, whatever tribute titles, whatever they are. Yeah. Now, 
now they got this Atlantic, all Atlantic title. They got the Ring of Honor title. <clears throat> yeah, they got those two. Yeah, yeah, wow. So they they are just overloaded. They don't need this. But at the end of the day, that was double or nothing. Um, all in all, it was way too long, and there was a lot of matches on there that should have been somewhere else. Um, and I'm sure you could have shaved off nearly an hour uh, with those excess matches. Or put a bunch of them on the pre-show. Why only have one five-minute match on the pre-show? Yeah, yeah. Why not? You had an hour pre-show, technically, uh, and you just played promo packages for 55 minutes, basically. Yeah. And then one match, and away you go. Why didn't you have, you know, 45 minutes or, you know, 30 minutes of pro wrestling on the paper, on the pre-show? But I don't have the answers for that. It's well, not my company. Hell. And I shall. Yeah. So at the Allstate Arena, there was 12,834 people in attendance. What was the double or nothing attendance here? It was, mm. let's see, because I'm sure everybody's going to compare. Well, it was 14,000. I mean, this was their WrestleMania in a lot of ways. Yeah. That was their biggest, uh, maybe not biggest crowd to date, but it was their biggest gate for a pay-per-view by, by far. It says I, the buy I, rate is one... <laughs> One hundred and fifty-five thousand at the moment, at least. So, I think they did more people for their dynamite. Uh, where fifteen thousand? Yeah, where yeah. where CM Punk got injured, right? Yeah, yeah, it was in Ontario, in Ontario, California, not Ontario, Canada. But um, and that was their debut on the West Coast uh, and in the kind of young bucks home territory. So no, no doubt that they did really well there in california so um but uh yeah fifteen thousand people for for a dynamite and i guess i'm sure they uh, filmed rampage on the same but interestingly enough you you kind of look at both of these pay-per-views side by side hell in a cell and double or nothing uh by the way hell in a sixth from sweden the uh, uh swedish shield maiden or whatever she is uh, which whom I beat at the Levelly Fight Night too, but um, the uh, she should change her last name to Cell. Yeah, Helena Cell. Helena Cell. <laughs> How about that? I think that's that's a gimmick, and she only does cage matches. But um, anyway, that's that's if I were booking AEW. No, <laughs> but uh, this this pay per view um, when you kind of look at them look at it next to double or nothing you you got seven matches on the main card uh -huh. double or nothing did they have a pre-show match mm, well it doesn't it's not listed i don't think they did double or nothing had 12 <clears throat> matches on the on the main card and yeah. one on the pre-show so 13 total yeah, yeah. almost double almost double and uh yeah but i tell you what this hell in a cell uh at least the first match this Bianca Belair against Becky Lynch versus Asuka. Yeah. Triple threat for the women's, um, was it the Raw Championship? Yeah. This was good. It was very good. It was really sharp, and it was like, it was dead on. The timing was fantastic. There's no botches. It was one of the be better WWE women's matches that I've seen since that WrestleMania uh, triple threat where... Ronda lost the title to uh, mm. Becky Lynch. Yeah. 
This and to be honest with you, <clears throat> Bianca Belair is like a freaking star. She like, is. Holy crap! No, she's not like a. She is a. Yeah, yeah. Well, that's mm-hmm. what I mean. Yeah, yeah, she is. And I mean, as with the with the experience and just the <clears throat> ability that uh, Asuka has, and Becky Lynch, of course. Yeah. And then Bianca Belair is hanging with them, no problem, and she is great. Uh, I was this to me was it was an eye. I mean, I, I thought she was great already, but this was like an eye opening. Like, holy crap, she she's a star. She the, is a star. The thing is, like in WWE, first of all, it's it's obvious that they have the best coaches in the world, right? Yeah, uh, they have the best training facility, the best coaches, the best overall layout uh for producing now it's not on the 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 coaches as much as as it is on the talent to get to where they need to be to be able to be utilized at a high level yeah so anyway uh beyond a shadow of a doubt wwe has the best women's roster the upper echelon i'm not saying everybody i'm saying only the upper echelon but they are the best female wrestlers in the world, period. Right? Yeah. Uh, AEW's women's division it cannot be compared in any way, shape, or form. It doesn't even come a close second to WWE's women's division. Uh, with that said, of course, I mean, you do have people like my old tag team partner, Shuri Kondo, in Japan, who is, you know, on that level also, of course, a much stiffer level. Mm. A much harder style um but she is uh definitely up there also like you could rank her in the best of the best but with this match here man i tell you um i enjoyed the hell out of this and i was what i was looking at this match and i was thinking to myself that really and truly all my respect to these three women because they wrestled like the guys wrestle Mm. yeah they didn't like if you want to be if you want to be a main event star you've got there has to be a standard right and they were able to wrestle to the level of the guys and that is a rarity Mm -hmm. and when you see it you have to credit it and these girls they did a hell of a job so like i really I, I, mean, I agree with you. I think that Bianca Belair is their future, like for the women's, the women's thing. Um, I think that uh, they're going to be doing a, a fall from grace for Becky now. Mm-hmm. I think they're going to have her like kind of like lose it, so to speak. And then like, yeah. you know, the, you know, she's just going to have to rebuild herself kind of thing. I think they're, they're kind of going that way. Uh, Asuka, I'm surprised they're jobbing Asuka out. Um, but obviously Bianca is the one. You know, yep. and you know, you know what's you know what the next program is for Bianca now. Rhea Ripley. Yeah, well, that'll be good. Yeah. So, moving on, Bobby yeah. Bobby Lashley against uh, Omos. Yeah, an MVP. Uh, so handicap match. Boy, I tell you, MVP had a new rap song. Is Fall Almighty. Mm. So he he wrote the, or I guess they recorded this one rap song where he's talking about. Bobby's fall from grace also. Okay. <clears throat> and, um, well, like I said, let me cut my own rap album this year because I'm all inclusive, baby. It's all, it's all about being inclusive nowadays. You can be whatever you want. You can be a Tonka, you can be a Tonka truck with a 
uh, alligator tail or whatever you want to be. So that's, that's a good thing about nowadays. You can use your imagination and people just have to accept, accept you for who you are. And uh, you are going to be a rapper. Yeah, I'm going to be a middle-aged rap artist. I'm going to be international, baby. Um, anyway, that said, Bobby Lashley, this, this program with almost is doing no favors for Bobby Lashley. No. I, if if I were them, I'd get. I mean, I understand that almost has to be elevated. They need somebody to elevate him because the thing is, he's not a made man. No, <clears throat> he's a big man. He's a giant. He's very uninteresting because of the fact that there's just nothing behind. There's the, nothing to him. I mean, he needs a guy like MVP to get over because of the fact that he, him by himself, he's got nothing. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> he's with AJ Styles for a while. They were the tag champs, and even then, he had nothing. Without AJ, he was nothing. So Omos needs something. They need somebody to bump him up and to get him over. The thing is that as they're trying to get Omos over, they're they're actually burying Bobby. And they're burying Bobby because of the fact that you've got to wrestle to the level of somebody who's nowhere near your level. And Bobby Lashley's on a different level of stardom than Omos. Yeah. So it's dragging Bobby down to be in this program. And second of all, well, what does it do for Omos? To like, where does he go from here? Like, where, who does he wrestle next where you got this big Belgian blue bull? You know, Bobby Lashley's built and, like, just gassed to the tits. Yeah. Uh, and honestly, once you're done the Bobby thing, where do you go with Omos? I, you know, I got no answers there because, and I'm not even interested. No. Yeah, and in, in all honesty, I couldn't care less about this match. I mean, I really like MVP. I think uh, he's done some great stuff, but it didn't make sense to me here. Also, former uh, guest here on Shoot That's the Shizan, yeah. MVP. Yeah. MVP. Check it out. Check it out. Uh, yeah, in the library there, you can find the interview with him. Uh, it was just before he went back to WWE. Yep. And, uh, but this handicap match situation, it's like, almost feels like it, it's kind of like unbalanced where almost should have been the one who was handicapped. Yeah. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. That's kind of traditional idea here, but I just couldn't care less. I, I don't care here. I never, I wasn't a big fan of Bobby Lashley. He's done some great stuff recently. I thought there's some, some really good things that he's put out. Uh, good matches that he's given. Yeah. Um, but yeah, he needs, he like, he's one of those guys who is really good when he's got a really good opponent across the ring from him and almost is not even almost a good opponent, unfortunately. So, um, yeah, I was not interested in this and moving they, on. They couldn't, they couldn't hold me in it. Kevin Owens, uh, defeats Ezekiel, uh, Elias's brother, and uh, this is a ridiculous feud. But uh, Kevin Owens uh, is great, and um, Ezekiel. I mean, he's. It's almost funny that I thought that this is going to be the worst gimmick, and what the hell are they doing? But somehow, he's seems to be getting it over, and um, I mean. The, but it's still totally ridiculous. Well, the thing is that uh, Kevin Owens beat this guy flat. Yeah. I mean, just flat. So 
end of story. Mm-hmm. Um, it's obvious that Vince has bigger plans for Kevin Owens as a heel. He needs Owens. I mean, Owens is the second biggest heel now in the comp or in in on the Raw side. So Rollins is first. Mm-hmm. O- Owens is second, right? That's really how it is. Um, Ezekiel is too fresh of a character, even though he's been Elias before, but he was Elias, not Ezekiel. Uh, he's too fresh of a character. It's like Dusty Rhodes being the yellow dog yeah, or the Midnight Rider, whereas instead of being just Dusty Rhodes, he's under a mask. Same kind of difference. Yeah. So, <sighs> what did you think of the match? Well, I, you know, I think that Kevin Owens, he's always uh, fun to watch. I, I think, like, he, he always works hard. Yeah. Um, and then I, I know that this Elias Ezekiel, he, um, like, he's good. Mm. But it, again, I mean, I guess I wasn't, uh, you know, I didn't have much of the build up for, for this, uh, this pay-per-view other than the main event. Yeah. Um, but the I think this this feud continues because on Monday, hmm. uh, you had o- Ezekiel ask for another match uh, against Owens, mm-hmm. and Owens said only if you admit that you're Elias, uh-huh. and he said, "Fine, I'm Elias. You're right." And then Owens says, "Okay, you can have the match." And then he said, "But I actually I was lying. I'm not Elias." And then mm-hmm. they're still gonna have the match. <laughs> so I don't know. I don't know. It's just to me, it's 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 just elongated ridiculous stuff and kind of a funny thing there is that you know kevin owens is just going and saying how ridiculous this is Mm. but the funny like this idea you can have a match Mm. with me if you admit that you're not who you say you are and Mm. then the person says okay i admit it and then Mm. you go okay you can have the match and then the person's hi i fooled you i wasn't I'm, Mm. i'm lying then what stops kevin owens from saying then you can't have the match that's it. So it, to me, it's it's not like you locked in all no, of a sudden. No, no, no. You know, there's no contract signings. There's, and I, I always, I never, I don't always love the idea when the wrestlers are booking themselves. You know, the, the, where they go out and they, you know, at the beginning of Raw, I challenge you to this, that, and the mm-hmm. other. You know, it's okay for these challenges and things every now and mm-hmm. then, but it seems like in WWE, it's as if the wrestlers are the ones booking themselves. Yeah, it's, it's the norm now. Yeah, and yeah. it doesn't technically make any sense in a sporting environment. But then again, it's not. But uh, but how did you like it? You know, the funny thing is, I watched the match. I remember the finish. Mm. But I don't remember what happened in between. I remember it was pretty good for what it was. But I don't really remember any specifics. Yeah. And that's a bad thing because I remember more of the AEW uh, House of Black match with the Death Triangle mm. than I do of this match. Yeah, that that is weird. That's and that's 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 kind of like a test in modern days because we're so oversaturated mm. with absolutely everything that whatever we we actually end up retaining is an indication of something. Yeah, and the fact that I can't retain anything from this, I I retain more of Bobby Lashley and Omos. Than I did of Kevin Owens and Eli- and Ezekiel. Hmm. Yeah, yeah. So anyway, but let's move on. Yeah. The Judgment Day: Edge, Damian Priest, and Rhea Ripley uh, against AJ Styles, Finn Balor, and uh, Liv Morgan. So it's mixed tag where only the men can face the men, the women face the woman. So is 
if a girl gets tagged in the middle of the guys exchange, then all of a sudden the other woman has to come in. The other guys have to get out of the ring. Uh-huh. Well, that's good. That's all fine and dandy. That's how uh, we've also done uh, one single uh, mixed tag here in slam wrestling so far. It's uh, I think that yeah, the, the, the intergender uh, aspect of wrestling where, where um, it's an even Steven situation where the men and the women face each other uh, on a level playing field. It doesn't lend itself to credibility because of the fact that if you look at the entire rest of the sporting world, if you look at MMA, if you look at tennis, if you look at boxing or any, anything else, um, the, the ladies will openly admit that they would never stand a chance against the uh, gents um, in, in a, on a level playing field. So therefore, um, that's not, what what I personally what I what I believe in, uh, which I know is it goes against the flavor of the day uh, nowadays. But nonetheless, that being said, uh, the Judgment Day uh, in this match had its moments. It really did have its moments. I think the girls did as good of a job as they they could have. Um, I think that uh, Liv Morgan is a bit too small for her own good in the sense where she comes across as being really cute. Yeah. Um, and very small team, by the way. Yeah, yeah. Finn Balor and Liv Morgan. Well, that's it. That's it. It's a smaller team, too, because of stature-wise. But then again, so they're like the underdogs here. But I think that they work pretty well together. I mean, I, I think this match overall, I think the chemistry was pretty okay. It wasn't a standout match. It wasn't a spectacular. It wasn't, like, off the charts. But it was it was good for a six-person tag, I th- like I thought overall. Yeah, and then the there was a fallout on Monday here where they mm. basically kicked Edge out of the group, and I think they added Finn Balor. Yeah, and the reason for that is because Cody is out for a half a year, and they need a top babyface on Raw. Yeah. So that <coughs> the 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 true reasoning behind uh, Edge transitioning over to the babyface side is exactly that. Which is kind of weird, you know, uh, where you're a heel team and you kick out your heel leader, who you would imagine is the most heel of all. For what reason? Yeah, <laughs> there's no reason. There they is. added Finn Balor and uh, as the new member, and then turned on Edge, and and he's out. But how does that make Edge then a babyface? I mean, I know that they'll just he'll just be a babyface. Of course, of course. Uh, it is a total knee jerk. And what the hell do we do? Kind of situation. Absolutely. But um, but it's under times of duress where desperate go. men do desperate things. So therefore, I understand. But yeah, I mean, uh, Madcap Moss, Happy Corbin. I actually skipped this match because no. I, I don't like either one of these no. guys. No, you know, the funny thing is, mm-hmm. Madcap. They've tried to make this guy more serious now. Now that he's a babyface, they give him just plain black trunks. Yeah. And uh, black boots. So make him look like a wrestler, wrestler. And uh, they drop the, the suspenders and the goofy, you know, otherwise presentation of the guy. Mm. Now he's more pissed off, more serious. And he's um, beaten up, beaten up uh, Happy, Happy Corbin. Corbin. Yeah. No holds barred, man. No holds. I mean, all right. No, I mean, it's... Tell me on this one. Here's the thing. Madcap has a great physique. He looks the part. Yeah. Right? So Riddick Moss, he looks the part. Um, The only thing is this. You know, in our our business, 
um, you need the trifecta. Yeah. So it's the skills, it's the charisma, and it's the look. Now, does Madcap have the skills, the charisma, and the look as a package outside of feeling very generic? Mm. He's another one of these guys who looks the part, but he does. there's nothing special about him. Yeah. And they desperately want him to have that something special, which is why they're trying to you know present him in a more serious light now. Mm. Um, but it's on them. You know, Mick Foley just has a new podcast though now called Foley is Pod. And um, so I listened to part of the first outing of this new uh, podcast as I drove home today. And as I'm listening, I'm thinking to myself, or I'm, I, I hear uh, Foley tell a story from 2000, was it No Way Out, where the plan originally was <clears throat> for um, Big Show to be in a top spot in WWE, but he wasn't there yet. He wasn't where Vince needed him to be. That Those are the words that were used when describing mm. Big Show. And I understand completely where Foley was coming from. The reason why they had to do Foley against Triple H as the main match, even though Foley was was suffering, he said that he was driving past his house. He told Vince that he couldn't remember where he lived anymore because of the trauma. Yeah, wow. Too many shots of the head, right? Yeah. So he's he's losing like losing that part. And that's where Vince said, Okay, you're done. As as a town. You're finished now. Yeah. yeah. He's not gonna sacrifice that and compromise that so anyway get moving on uh so big show was supposed to be the next guy that they were that they wanted to bring up to the point where he would have been featured as a, as a top hand but he wasn't there yet riddick moss madcap moss they desperately need guys to come up and to be the next and vince loves the big muscular guys yeah but he's he's another big show right now. He's another guy who's not where he needs to be, and it's on him. You can't force talent. That's the whole thing. Talent comes on its own. It, it kind of cultivates at its own speed. Uh you can you can put guys in programs against other guys who are better than them to help them get seasoned, to get the to get experienced. Uh, you can you can you can do everything for so you can lead a horse to water, but you can't make him drink. Yeah. And Riddick Moss is another one of these guys right now. They're trying it out. But I swear they're cutting people left and right. I hear the next line of cuts are coming. And if Riddick Moss doesn't improve his game inside of half a year, I think he's going to be gone. Hmm. Mark my words right now. Yeah. You heard it here, folks. First time. Well, anyway, we got Austin Theory. The... uh, WWE. No, no, no. Not Austin no. Theory. Theory. No, theory. Pardon me. Just plain theory. Theoretically, Theory. Mm. Uh, WWE United States Championship uh, defeats Mustafa Ali. Um, <clears throat> what did you think about this? Well, on Raw, they had a match, I think it was the week before, two minutes. And, yeah. And, you know, so Austin just went over, boom. Why they have this match then? But, uh, well... I'm surprised that Mustafa Ali, remember him just a few months ago, he's trying to get out of his contract. Yeah. yeah. He's like, you know, who's going to be at the Royal Rumble? Well, uh, not me. Not me. I'll just mm. be anywhere else but there. 
kind of whatever it was, right? And he's like, he wanted to be gone. He wanted out of that contract. They just didn't want to let him go. Hmm. What do they see in the guy? Like, I'm not saying he's he's a good wrestler. Yeah, yeah. But he's another one of these guys where I'm looking in this match at his charisma, looking at his presentation, looking at his fire, looking at his kitten caboodle, whole ball of wax. And I'm asking myself, why are they trying to push this guy? Yeah. And once again, it's there. There's there are different levels of stardom. There are different levels of potential. There are different levels of everything in life. Yeah. Kurt Angle had a great amount of potential when he was just coming into the WWE. Right. He there was something about him that you knew this guy was something special. Mm. He wasn't a generic kind of star. Yeah. That's true. He was a special kind of star. And Rey Mysterio is another guy. When you saw Rey, you knew he wasn't just another luchador, wasn't just another small guy. He was a special kind of wrestler. You just knew it. Yeah. yeah. Eddie Guerrero, out of all the Latino wrestlers, there have been many Latinos in wrestling. But out of all of the guys, for his time period, Eddie stood out head and shoulders above the other Latinos, the unmasked Latinos. Yeah, no doubt. He was just the next guy, right? I can't say the same either ethnically or size-wise, cruiserweight style, whatever, or in any way, shape, or form for Mustafa Ali. I don't see what this guy has. To what demographic does he appeal? And once again, it's not about his skill set. He's, he's a really good wrestler. He's really good at what he does. But is he on the level of somebody that you can push in the sense that he's going to be bought on a large scale by a large number of people that are going to own up to him being a major star? Mm. I don't see it. Yeah. I mean, I know that they, they got the firecracker of, uh, of theories behind, mm-hmm. but... Um, yeah, I think Mustafa Ali is like very talented, but again, like you said, and he seems to have some ideas that he has wanted to do. Some kind of it seemed to be getting into kind of an anti-American style thing, but maybe uh, maybe more of a modern <laughs> twist on things. Mm. Uh, not so much anti-American, but anti whatever political establishment situation. A- Anti-Western, maybe that mm. you know, and. Uh, he had apparently something all worked out and they kind of canned it on him. But uh, who knows? I mean, I maybe they, they just don't want to go these uh, political roots or something like that at the moment. But Just uh, stay away from the politics. Just in general, go. for fuck's and sakes. Back in the day, it, it seemed to work fine because that was what the world seemed to react to. But, uh, but, ev- but everything is so... Right now, everything is so... Like it's a, it's a, it's a powder keg, right? Yeah, yeah. And, and because of the fact that it's, it's like dynamite, it's, it's, uh, it's like walking on a landmine. Mm, yeah. It's just going to blow up in your face. I mean, that's where like when everything has become so political, you're better off going the other way and just saying, fuck it. We're not touching this shit. It's yeah, like yeah. where everybody else is like being a party pooper and just draining the fucking life and the fun and, and, and the air out of the room by being so damn political yeah go the other way let people just enjoy relax have a good time 
cheer, boo, yell, scream, whatever they need to do to get it out of their system yeah. without being penalized and without being policed. Yeah. Right? So that's where the, I think the politics just get them out of the fucking business. Well, apparently there's a hell of a lot of rules that you have to follow if you're going to sit in the WWE audience. And, um, yeah, I heard about that. Sit. Um, there's a lot. I don't know what the list is, but it keeps growing uh, all the time. Mm. And uh, they want you to fall in line, um, cheer. And actually, you know, I have noticed every once in a while I'm seeing certain people in parts of the crowd that are dressed a certain way, like mm. in referees. Mm-hmm. Uh, outfit yeah. with the stripes, yeah, yeah, and they look as though they're like orchestrating the crowd. I don't know if anybody else has noticed this. Am I just seeing things? But I've seen it every once in a while uh-huh. where there's a, like a looking like a ref, kind of orchestrating the crowd to react a certain way. Um, anyway, but the uh, interesting stuff. But and then the meat of the matter. We'll go into it right now. Yeah, that's um, it. We got about fifteen or so minutes. Yeah, let's here. get into it. And we can dedicate it all to Cody Rhodes versus Seth Rollins in the actual hell in a cell. And I will say um, that I what I liked about this right off the bat was mm. that it was the only hell in a cell yes. on this show. And I yes. bet you that Cody Rhodes was saying, you know, it has to be the only one. And it should be. Yeah, there can't be a woman's no. Hell in a Cell. There can't be a tag team Hell in a Cell. No, it no. It needs to be the only one. And to me, that made it all of a sudden special. Hmm. And so that all already made it uh, much better than a few years before. Well, let me say this. Yeah. The Hell in a Cell for years and years and years has been absolutely an afterthought. It has mm-hmm. been nothing special. It's been the same cookie cutter same bullshit spots, different players, but yeah. same same spots, same tables, same kendo sticks, same. They were here too. Yeah, I know, <laughs> I know, but it's the same a year after year. But the 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 only thing is this: in this match, what made this match was the fact that Cody came in with a legitimately torn pec. Yeah, and the fact that he was discolored in the chest. It was such a large splotch. Uh, the fact that you could tell the guy was in literal pain, like you could you could just see the pain on this guy's face and his body. Yeah. The fact that you could feel the tension before the lockup of how is this guy going to make it through this match? Mm. The fact that you could like live with bated breath and just feel for him, just absolutely be able to empathize, empathize and and to sympathize with his plight, mm-hmm. made him the most over babyface. In a while. Yeah, I would agree with that. And and because of that, this match took on an entirely different dimension. And when I say dimension, it put Cody into this uber babyface role that we've not seen for a long, long time where there's legitimate jeopardy, where you feel that the babyface is in real, absolutely tangible jeopardy. Mm-hmm. Would you agree? Yeah, I would. I would definitely agree that, but this is the weird thing about it too, is that if he didn't have this injury, what kind of match would we have got? And would, and it's almost in a way as though like he's had a stroke of luck to get such a terrible injury because 
yeah, he's going to be out for a, a while. Yep. But if they're smart, they're they're not going to forget about him. They're going to feature him every once in a while. They're going to do some roads to recovery or something like yeah, that. Yeah, there you go. There's the name right there. Yeah, and uh, they, they are going to keep him uh, this massively over-heroic baby face mm. as long as possible. Yeah. Uh, and then when he makes his return, let's say it's at Royal Rumble. Yeah. Uh, it's going to be off the charts. And nobody in WWE has been off the charts no. like that. No. Uh, he's definitely not going to WrestleMania to fight uh, Roman Reigns. No, that's for The Rock. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, and, and and the thing is that nobody can be as big of a star as The Rock. So, But what, remember, they're, they're going to have two titles again. Trust yeah, me. At yeah. Yeah, so it's this Roman holding both belts. This is going to go. This is just a transitional thing. Mm-hmm. So, so it's going to be Cody against whoever their champion is at that yeah. point in the other match. But the, there was one thing I didn't like about this match. And tell me. I didn't like the bull rope spot. Mm. I, got, I understood why Cody busted it out. Yeah, yeah. Although my, my, one of my biggest problems with Hell in a Cell is that nobody seems to use the cell mm-hmm. uh which is which to me is the whole gimmick here the whole it should thing, be should be cell. should you be got the guy locked in there he can't go anywhere mm-hmm. instead guys use tables chairs mm-hmm. kendo sticks handcuffs yeah handcuffs mm-hmm. uh sledgehammers yeah mm-hmm. and you know ring steps ring steps and you know and there you can use some of those things and I, I liked the, even though I'm not a fan of sledgehammer, uh, sledgehammer spots mm-hmm. in wrestling, I think that they don't make any sense either. No, no. But no. I understand the significance here. Mm-hmm. So I was okay. And I thought that that was fine. Uh, the table stuff. Yeah. You know, it's, it's table. Everybody wanted table, but the problem here was that, uh, Seth got the, the huge pop. Mm-hmm. Babyface, thank you, Seth, for pulling out the table. Mm-hmm. You know why was why weren't the tables in the no holds barred match? There you go. And I know, I know that they needed some gimmicks here to mm-hmm. kind of cover up stuff. And it, and it's it's I'm not saying anything about how they wrestled and worked and uh, and whatever. These guys are two of the best, no doubt. Mm-hmm. The fact that Cody had this injury is unbelievable. That they pulled anything off. But uh, I just think that the bull rope thing where he throws it over to Seth and he puts it on. Yeah. Puts it on, uh, attaches it to his wrist, and then they have a bull rope match inside a hell of a cell. I get it that, mm-hmm. oh, that's so cool or something like that. But if I was Seth. It's an homage to Dusty. It is. But why not, you know, why not uh, tease as a heel that you're going to put it on and mm. then just pull the guy in and, you know, give him a clothesline and then use that rope against them and, and you don't lock yourself in mm. with the with the rope I, that's the only problem i had with the match mm. but and then you could go and do a bull rope match later why not and then have that gimmick be the thing but you know you're not going to have a bull rope match um and i don't know it doesn't make any sense that all of a sudden you'd be in a steel cage but mm. you know what i mean it was it felt like i as a heel that Seth Rollins is. He's the biggest heel. 
total dick, mm. you know, dastardly guy. Mm -hmm. Why would he put the bull rope on? Why would he attach himself in that situation? But mm -hmm. uh, that was my only issue. Everything else, um, I didn't like. Of course, the the table spots I thought were were tasteful, mm -hmm. you know. But I thought that they could have used more of this the cage. But then again, you don't know is what could they have done you know is cody climbing anything i bet not you know so mm. uh in that way if that and i and i think a lot of people liked and and, and like the bull rope thing so you know who am i to say but that if i had any kind of problem mm. it would be that uh that issue there but in all honesty there was some really great stuff in here and the pain on cody Rhodes' face guaranteed you didn't have to sell anything there. That was just how it was. Mm -hmm. And uh, you can't help but respect the guy the moment he took his jacket off. Mm. And those nuances that Cody has. Mm. You know, and he went through flaming tables and all kinds of brute brutality mm -hmm. in AEW. And he never got, he just kept getting booed. And here he's, he's over like nobody's business so isn't it funny mm. isn't it strange just the change of surroundings go fish on a different lake how it changes everything yeah but is it because is it because that in wwe the how could you say the the division the lines between even though nowadays of course there is is a much more blurred line but between babyface and heels is more distinguished. Mm. Do you think it has something to do with that or no? Quite possibly. I mean, this to me, the way that Rollins works and acts yeah. and how Cody presents himself, yeah. that's old school to me. And that's how it used to work all the time where uh, this dastardly total prick of a heel mm um maybe also in the match he, i don't know you know what the the limitations were how could he work cody's arm or peck or something like that but you know i'm sure there's such amount a huge amount of limitations that and the 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 way that seth was able to probably get cody through that match without causing any more damage is probably just a hats off to him but um you know there's a saying in our business yeah is that uh, you only learn to really work when you have to work hurt mm. and then dave finley put a bit of a spin on that and he said you actually only really learn how to work when you have to carry somebody mm. who's hurt yeah so as great of a job as cody did in this match of pulling through and working with that injury you cannot understate or undermine the role and the professionalism mm. of Seth Rollins for being able to carry Cody through that match and to make that match as dramatic as it was. Yeah. Because you're only as good as the guy that you're in the ring with. 100%. And, um, yeah, and it's, it's weird, you know, that um, this is, quote-unquote, sports entertainment company, and, you know, they're all winking at you. I was had a little short conversation with Bjorn Sem about this uh, on Facebook, and uh, wow. this idea that you know everybody's just 
you know, the wrestlers are all winking at the fans, kind of like, hey, you know, we know that you know this isn't real. So, you know, we're going to just do these fun things and mm. you're, you're going to excuse it because yeah. you know that we know that you know. Mm-hmm. But here we got a legitimate injury and people, of course, still tried to pass it off as fake. Uh, a lot of people saying, well, good makeup job there. Yeah. Um, when I had the match with TT Suisalo in, uh, in, uh, talent, mm. the, um, uh, what was it? The King of Kings, uh, K one 100 show yeah. event, uh, TT was bleeding all over the place. It busted his head open and, mm-hmm. uh, people were immediately guaranteed that was fake blood. Meanwhile, he needed stitches in the back after the match. No, oh, the promoter was pissed. <laughs> I mean, I was on commentary and the promoter came up be- behind me. He was legitimately pissed. He thought that like you guys were just spraying ketchup or something. Yeah. We're going to stain the map. Yeah. You're, yeah, syrupy face yeah, yeah, exactly. That's, that's, and, and when he, when, when he got word that, uh, the, the first aid people had tended to you guys. And, and for example, the TT had this bump on his head, which is about at least a centimeter, you know, sticking out of his skull, you know, so he had, he had a contusion. And they had to have three stitches to close the thing up. Yeah. As soon as he heard that, the entire tone changed, and he was like, "Oh, okay, no, no problem." Yeah, and the, and that's the that's the whole thing. It's like you know, there's there's such a big preconce- uh, preconceived, how could you say, like bias or notion mm-hmm. towards pro wrestling, and it's and it, and it's it, it has everything to do with how wrestling has been presented by the large companies. Yeah, yeah. Vince takes much, if not all, of the blame. Vince takes at least 90% of the blame mm. and deservedly so because he has gone out there and said that this is sports entertainment. This is not a real actual competition. This is not sport. Even to the New Jersey Athletic Commission back in the day, just to skimp on taxes, mm-hmm. that he wouldn't have to pay taxes in the state. He said that this is, uh, it's not, it's not, it's not a sporting endeavor. No, mm-hmm. it's, you know. And so in that way, when he says it's all collusion, now you tell the people that oh it's uh, you know all family friendly fun yeah come yeah. on down it's you know it's not a stinky arena it's not blood and guts it's not this it's not that well <clears throat> you know i can understand where people get their biases from that's why it's such an uphill battle for you know companies like slam wrestling finland here my company to to be able to stem the tide and and to fight against the bias and try to re-educate people as to what pro wrestling should be. Yeah. That's why it's like our slogan is welcome back to wrestling. Mm-hmm. And it's for a reason. It's because the, it, you know, it's, it, I'm so, I'm so disheartened by how people, and even myself, I sometimes fall my, you know, fall into that same lull where I think that there's so much bullshit that I've seen over the years where you question whether or not like anything, you can believe anything at all. And that's where I can understand where people come and they see this Cody thing and where he's got this big splotch on his chest and it, you know, it's, oh, well, look at that makeup job. Mm. I can understand because, I mean, he's he's done some dumb shit in the past too. But, le- like, folks, that was legit. Yeah. That was a real injury. Yeah, and I think that, and uh, the gasp or what would you say, the, the air got sucked out of that arena yeah. when he took his jacket off. Yeah super dramatic like he knows how to do it and when they saw actually what he was dealing with yeah yeah there was just like silence shock 
Like, wait a minute. How can you not get behind a guy like that? Yeah. That's the whole thing. This guy is going to compete? Are you? I don't care if this is fake wrestling. This guy's actually going to do it? Yeah. And uh, then it became real. And I'm not saying that people got to go and injure themselves and go into the ring and say, look at that, I've got an injury and I'm going to do it anyway. Um, I was looking in that match and Seth chopped him a few times there. Yeah, yeah. And you're thinking he's taking some of those chops also on that bad pick. Mm, you got to have good freaking aim. <laughs> but I'm saying that yeah. still you're you're getting the smack and you're getting the pop and you're you're still like that usually breaks the uh, the 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 topical blood vessels yeah. right you yeah. know the chops that's that's the why how you get the sound so but to get nailed on that yeah on but that oof. You must have, I mean the adrenaline's going to cover up a lot of that it will but still I mean uh, you know a lot of the 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 nasty stuff i'm sure he's gonna have that electric shock feeling oh yeah whenever he lands mm -hmm. uh but then again he must have known that he is gonna come out of this a hero well that's the thing that's like this is one of them chances where like in life you take that big risk you take that big chance knowing that you're gonna have to be taking time off after this yeah it's not like he went into that match thinking that, okay, on Monday Night Raw, you know, business is going to continue as normal. No, he knew. He's been advertised on the poster for this event as the main babyface draw, as the poster boy for the event. He's got to deliver. And the professionalism and the fact that he would man up and do that, because I've had people even in Finland here, you know, that I booked in the past, you know, and, and it's like, oh, I'm not feeling so good today. I'm not going to wrestle. Yeah. What the fuck was that all about? Like... Look at Cody Rhodes. And back in the day, you don't. You, as long as you carry your head in a basket, you'd come to the ring. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Well, but um, but this yeah this was one one more example of the fact that there are still guys in our in our industry who will go the extra mile. Yeah. The extra mile to to not just service the fans for the fact that they've advertised him, but to do the business justice because he knows what's riding on the line. Mm -hmm. And a lot of people might say that uh, he's an idiot. He's stupid. Why the hell would you do that, you complete moron? No. But I'll tell you something. Um, at least I've listened to a few doctors talk about the situation. Like mm -hmm. the one, uh, I think he was on Busted Open. He's a former WWE doctor. Yeah, I heard that too. Yeah, yeah and he said basically um, it's not going to get any worse. No. The thing that he's fighting now is the, is the pain. Yeah. And so if you have an injury that you're not going to make worse and it's just going to hurt like a mother. Yeah. Then it's up to you. The doctors at, in WWE, WWE, they have been in trouble so many times mm -hmm. over the last, let's say 30 years. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And you think that they're going to get into a situation now. Yeah. You know, they are not. And uh, it was Cody Rhodes' uh, choice to go mm -hmm. out there. Mm -hmm. And the doctors knew that, okay, you're not going to make it worse. So, Do you know how that injury came about, by the way? I would just assume bench press, but I don't know. So on Monday Night Raw, before the go-home episode of Raw, before this uh, pay-per-view, yeah. they had the pull-apart brawl. He, Did it he, yeah, yeah. He injured the original tear, the original... Uh, jeopardized or you know the jeopardizing uh how could you say like happenstance took yeah, place yeah. there mm -hmm. and was it the day of the event or the day before he was doing a pre-match workout i guess he was benching mm 
Yeah. And that's where it finally just went. Well, it's no good. But then again, it's great because uh, this is as the, the, the golden lining on it. Yeah. That he went in there, had a pretty damn good match. I mean, if he was completely healthy uh, and he had the same exact match, maybe it wouldn't have been amazing. Yeah. But uh, the fact that it, it, I mean, it was, it was pretty great. Um, he went on Monday night and said he's going to have a uh, surgery on Thursday, which is today. Mm. And uh, then he is, uh, was hinting at uh, going and competing in the money in the bank ladder match, which I doubt he's going to do. Cause then uh, Rollins came out after had, he had come out and uh, said he, whatever respects him. Then he came back out with a sledgehammer and uh, beat him down hard. So I think that's going to kind of give the a little bit more official he's going to be out for a while. Mm -hmm. um, but again, like I said, I hope that he he has some stuff going on. And I think we got only a few, few uh, two minutes, a minute left. Oh, yeah, there you go. Minutes, yeah, two minutes, some odd. So we got the seaside slam thing going on. <laughs> That's eighteenth. Um, eighteenth. Yep. June. Finland in Portobello. So if you are in anywhere close to Portobello, uh, it's very close to Helsinki and uh, surrounding areas. Half an hour to the west of Helsinki on right, the coast. Right on the sea. Yep. That's and, right. And uh, you got the big time information about that event. That's uh, first of its kind, in a way. <laughs> first of its kind. Yeah, on the sea at least. Yeah, yeah, yeah. absolutely. So it's it's a. We're also going to be having my band play. Uh, we, we just came uh, Crossfire. That is Crossfire is my Southern rock band. Um, we were just playing the Harley uh, Davidson Super Rally in uh, Öland, Sweden, just uh, over a week back. And uh, now we're going to be playing at this uh, Seaside Slam. Uh, so it's six matches plus uh, the, the Crossfire gig. Come check it out. It's going to be free for the entire family starting at uh, 1700. That's 5 p.m. On the 18th, that's Saturday, the 18th of June. So we got Blake Steamer coming from Hungary. We've got uh, Mila Schmidt coming from France. We have uh, Carlos Zamora coming from Spain, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. We've got some big names on the card. Come check it out. It's free for the whole family. But we're out of time this week, ladies and gentlemen. And on behalf of my co-host, Dylan Broad, I thank you so much for joining us this week on Shooting the Shizat. Join us next week with more Shizat on Thursday night. So on behalf of Dylan, I am the Rebel Starbuck, and good night, everybody.